0: everybody and welcome to your final score podcast where you're listening to the final word on any and all debate in sports today with you as always is your boy Wyatt. Welcome to episode 54 of the podcast. It is Sunday, June 23rd, 2019. The first day of summer was just a couple of days ago, so happy summer to everybody. I hope you guys are out enjoying the sun when there is sun. It's actually a pretty rainy night here in Tallahassee. Uh, I'm pleased to be joined by, once again, Matty P. and Maurice Facey. Thank you guys so much for joining the show again.
1: Of course.
2: What's up?
0: How was your guys' weekends? It
2: was pretty good. It was fantastic,
1: actually. Yeah, pretty lazy. I didn't do much. Went to the pool, but that was about it. Right on. Maurice? I uh, just got back in town on Monday. Where'd you go? I went back home to uh, South Florida.
0: You went to Miami this weekend?
1: No, last weekend. Ah, Uh, last weekend. Okay. I was out of town.
0: Right on. I was actually down in Daytona. Down in, uh, near Port Orange area, hanging out with uh, some people from my friend's wedding. Uh, Caleb Nyberg and Amanda got married, so they're now officially Mr. and Mrs. Nyberg. Um, Congratulations. So con- congrats to them. Uh, thank you guys for letting me share that moment with you all. It was a great reception. It was a lovely <laughs> ceremony. Actually, a very nice venue down there in Port Orange. Congratulations, and uh, we wish you all the happiness in the years to come. Of course. Congrats to the Nybergs. Um, and with that being said, let's... Uh, jump right into our super loaded show here, all, talking all NBA draft. Um, sorry baseball fans, I promise we will get there. But the <laughs> NBA draft is more important and the Blue Jays are still in the bottom of the league, so there's nothing to talk hey, about. Hey, hey, let's not talk about that. Hey, don't let the, I yeah. know they, they beat Boston last night and today.
1: Well, let's just talk about the Raptors. <laughs> just, the Raptors. As no the, <laughs> the Raptors are the only thing the Canadians are focusing on right now, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll
1: avoid the Blue Jays
0: <laughs> yeah, for now. Yes, uh, And we'll stick to just the NBA draft. Um, it was a pretty exciting night. Uh, one through three, Zion, John Morant, and R.J. Barrett were pretty much a wow. foregone conclusion. They were pretty locked in where they were going to go. Yeah. And then after that, it was absolute trade bonanza. Teams were moving up and down the draft boards trying to find their pick. And one of the biggest moves early on in the draft was the Minnesota Timberwolves trading up to take... Uh, Jarrett Culver at six. Matty P., that is your squad. Uh, you had Jarrett Culver mocked as the number four pick in the draft. Um, how excited are you that he fell to
2: number six, and how excited are you about his chances uh, next season? Oh, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, I had Jarrett Culver as my guy in the draft that I thought was going to be a steal in the draft, as Jay Billis always says. So <laughs> I didn't think he would have dropped to six, um, especially with the Cavs sitting there at five. I thought the Cavs would, would have taken them, but they instead they take Darius Garland at uh, the point guard position. Um, but luckily the Wolves uh, get him pretty cheap with the trade of Darius Saric, um, trading their 11th pick and Darius Saric to the Suns for that sixth pick. Um, Jared Culver leads or led Texas Tech um, to the national championship, and they fall they fell short to Virginia last year, but he had a, a kind of a you know off and on tournament, so people kind of like didn't really think about him in the draft coming up, but his athleticism and his wingspan, 6'7", 195-pound explosive athlete, uh, people kind of forgot about him after Zion's, you know, his hoopla around him, um, but I, I was said to myself that whoever he drops to, that, you know, they would be really happy with his results. Um, he's not the most fluid or craftiest ball handler, but he can play both one and two uh, positions in, in the NBA. He played it in Texas Tech. He ran point guard for half the season, and um, he's just a dynamic scorer. He's a slasher, um, and I just and also what I don't think people realize is that he's one of the better defenders in the draft, behind DeAndre uh, Hunter. Um, he's uh, in Chris Beard's system. You have to be a great defender. So I, I'm really excited for him. I think he can translate into the Minnesota Timberwolves as a great guard un, under Tyus Jones and uh, Jeff Teague's leadership. And he doesn't have to play right away. So I, I think he's a he's a guy that can come off the bench early next season and be, be that guy. I guess my follow-up question with
0: you, Matty P, is does this selection with Jarrett Culver at number six kind of start the clock on Andrew Wiggins, a guy who was the number one pick a couple years ago and hasn't really – Taken off, he never really took that next step. He's obviously a very talented individual, right. um, but does Jarrett Culver, a very similar size, can probably play the two or the three? Does that cut into what Andrew
2: Wiggins, you know, future is at the Timberwolves? I, I I think I think Andrew Wiggins, his time is is ticking. He he needs he needs to get out of Minnesota. He's been not saying toxic, but he hasn't performed like he was supposed to be the number one guy with Cat and those. That dynamic duo that they were supposed to be with Jimmy Butler back in the, you know a couple of, uh, a year ago, like it just never worked out. And Andrew Wiggins hasn't found his shot. He hasn't really developed as a shooter. He's he's that transition game. But we 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 need Jarrett Culver. We need the outside shooting in, in today's game. Um, Minnesota is not going to go anywhere if Andrew Wiggins still keeps on playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: Understood. Uh, again, I apologize if you hear the, the thunderstorm outside. It is probably picking up on the mic, but uh, nothing we can do about it. Summertime in Tallahassee, it's pouring rain. Uh, Maurice, you and I watched most of this draft together, definitely all of the first round on the night of the draft here at the house. Um, who was the biggest surprise and who was the biggest winner? Like who, what team were you the most impressed with on draft night?
1: I think the biggest team I was impressed with was Memphis. I think they did an incredible thing earlier in the week with trading Mike Conley. And they gave us kind of a hint into what their idea we were going into the draft, um, trading Mike Conley away for Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder in the 23rd pick. We saw that they were going for another pick, and also they had the second-round pick. And we saw that they went for, for John Morant out of Murray State, and I think that was an absolute steal. You know, he's an explosive athlete. He has uh, incredible finishing ability. He can shoot. He's got... The athleticism as i spoke before so we can block and he's a really great down defender and he's also a good point guard in general because he can make plays and he uh, led the entire ncaa in assist yeah. so i think he's going to be a great asset for memphis moving forward the only downside to him was his turnover ratio was pretty high so i think we got to watch out for that in the league but you know a lot of notable guys in the nba have really high turnovers you know james harden and uh, russell westbrook arguably Quadruple doubles in the yeah, well,
0: Quadruple doubles. And when you're when you're such a high volume ball handler, mm-hmm. he, he, he's expected at Murray State to be that that lead dog, the guy that carries the ball a lot. So with that comes obviously more of an opportunity to turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, John Moran. great. What do you have on their second pick in that first round in Brandon Clark?
1: Brandon Clark, I am extremely excited for. I'm gonna say something kind of controversial. I like him a little bit more than Hashimura. I think he has a little bit more refined game, he can rebound. He has great finishing ability, he can block, and he's a, he loves to run. So as soon as he you know makes a defensive play, he's out sprinting, getting the ball to someone else, and making a play. So I love that about him, I think um, that's what Memphis really are looking for in him. His only uh, thing is he can't really shoot that well, so they're going to be looking out for that. Um, but, I mean, around the rim, he's a top-notch player. You saw that play um, game he had against Baylor where he dropped 36 points to advance him this week 16, so he's definitely got you know, offensive ability, so I'm excited for him.
0: Yeah, I think the Memphis Grizzlies are kind of getting back to that, that grit-and-grind model that they had when they originally started off with Tony Allen, Mike Conley, Gasol, and Zach Randolph. They're getting guys that play with a chip, play physical. While also kind of finding those guys that are athletes, guys that can score. John Morant's going to be your future, Mike Conley, your future point guard that's very dynamic. You already have a Jaron Jackson at the four spot who is already proven to be a great leader, great defender, and, and I think. that's
1: ability is just top notch.
0: Absolutely, and and you add a guy like Brendan Clark to that front court. I mean, this team is really building itself. They're building themselves, yeah. and, and obviously, you understand that they're not. They're still several steps away but they're a team with a lot of promise, and I'm excited to see what they got the right going forward. Absolutely. I think John Morant's a great pick, and I, I actually am very excited. I didn't get a chance to watch him much in college. I really want to see what he does at the next level. I,
2: I'm glad that Memphis benefited from this new draft system, you know, draft lottery system.
0: Do you think that Memphis won the draft, Matty P, or do you, you got somebody else? I mean,
2: I, I think Memphis had a, a good draft. I mean, you get the second pick with John Morant, but, like, all in all, um, I'm going to go with Atlanta Hawks. I think the Hawks – uh, built some key pieces that they desperately needed. Um, they got two of the most pro-ready prospects at number four in DeAndre Hunter and number ten in Cam, Cam Reddish. Two guys that both play the ACC, um, performed well, and I think they playing the ACC translates to the NBA. Um, Hunter at the fourth pick becomes a he's a plug-and-play guy at the four spot with an elite defensive presence. Um, he's probably the best defender in in this draft. Absolutely. Um, and it's more so around the rim, but he also can, can, can defend at 2, 3, and 4 spot. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great one-on-one defender. Um, he also can hit the outside shot, you know, so his three-point percentage is high. And he reminds me of a guy like Pascal Siakam for, uh, uh, for the Toronto Raptors. A um, guy who's a hustler. He gets you second-chance points, opportunities, and he makes winning plays when it comes down to it. Um, Hunter was a leader down low that many forgot about. In the Virginia title run, um, with Kyle Guy lighting up the scoreboard, but I think he won't be forgotten in the NBA. Uh, Cam Reddish, he adds he adds the outside shooting for them as well. Most likely going to come off the bench um, there because they already have shooters in the rotation: Kevin Warder, Alan Crabb to name a few. Um, and then, but this type this type of draft allows for Atlanta to be an intriguing destination for like other free agents as well down the line. Um, I think this management is. Really making strides to compete with their young talent. Yeah,
0: I agree. I think Atlanta is, <clears throat> excuse me, is, a, is an interesting, interesting situation. I think I was very down on the Trey Young selection, especially when I thought Luka Doncic was a better prospect. I think he had a better year, anyways. Mm-hmm. But right. they they stuck with Trey Young, and the number one thing you have to do when you draft a guy like Trey Young is build people around him mm-hmm. because he is a small guy. He's not a, a six-five point guard, a six-six point guard that can overpower by himself. Right. He really does need guys around him that space the floor mm-hmm. and take the load off of him offensively. Right. You and that's to, what Atlanta's doing.
1: Yeah, I gotta say, I'm really excited for the three-point percentage in Atlanta next year. I think all these guys can shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely building an, uh, you an offense. You don't want what you don't want is Trey Young to be just
2: shooting like unnecessary <laughs> shots. Yeah, mm-hmm. unnecessary shots like he did in college. I know he can do it, but it's when you have all these three-point shooters around him, you know, maybe he gets his assist numbers up and, and really fine-tunes his point guard play.
0: Right. We've. I mean, we've seen what teams do with guys that are small. I mean, Kimball Walker has dealt with in Charlotte. Yeah, right. They didn't build a team around him that could sus- that could help him you know, take the load off. Mm-hmm. And I think the Hawks have been doing a really good job of surrounding him with talent. Um, and I think one of the most impressive parts about Atlanta on draft night was – they had multiple picks, which allowed them to trade up to four, but they held on to the 10th pick and kept Cam Reddish, I mean, which I thought was very that. impressive. Right. Very impressive. No clue how they did that. But, I mean, hey, I guess they uh, I guess they finessed David Griffin. David Griffin's known <laughs> for uh, for fleecing other teams, but uh, Atlanta was able to hold on and grab, I think, Cam Reddish, who's probably the sixth or seventh best player in the draft, but they got him at 10. Right. Um I like both of your guys' answers as, as biggest winners. I think another big winner of this draft is obviously the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and I think that's an easy answer, an easy right. cop-out. But mm-hmm. uh, I just want to take this moment to talk about some of the other guys that they picked. Obviously, Zion is uh, the number one prospect in the draft. Um, he's He was the pick at number one, even though I think RJ would also have been a great fit. Uh, Zion's obviously the pick. Uh, he's got the most upside. He's obviously the big market player that right. New Orleans can brand themselves on um and the other picks that they made they trade down from four they grab jackson hayes at number eight a player that i wasn't really sure on a guy that i haven't watched a lot Um, but the more i've read about him he was the number one center prospect in the draft he's highly athletic he's seven foot one only 200 pounds which kind of scares me very lean got to put
2: up the frame yeah he's
0: got to build into that body you know what i'm saying He's, he's he's a little bit young to this to this body i think he hit a growth spurt when he was in college similar to kevin durant and um, he's still kind of growing into it. He lacks that physicality. He doesn't have the the, the width yet. Right. Um, but he's a guy that can run. And he, he reminds me of a player similar to a mold of a DeAndre Jordan when he gets the size. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and Collie Stein, JaVale McGee, big athletic centers who are just there to protect the rim. And run and, the floor. And run the floor. Yeah. Um, and when you have him on a roster of guys like Zion, Lonzo, um Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, guys who can shoot and run. All he's going to be there is a rim protector.
2: To be Air New Orleans, Air New Orleans, and, yeah. New
0: Orleans, and, and he's going to be exciting. He's he's a guy that has a good true shooting percentage of seventy five percent, and he also shoots seventy five percent from the free throw line. So he's not a liability on the floor late in games. Right. Um, the what, guy that I think, go ahead, go ahead.
2: No, we're going to have to go see a game.
0: Yeah, yeah so we, We've here. been saying for a long time we want to go to New Orleans party and watch a game. Now this really... this this team might be must see. Um, one of the other guys that I liked a lot that they got later in the first round was Nikhil Alexander-Walker mm. out of Virginia Tech. I absolutely love this pick. He was a baller on a Virginia Tech team that I thought was very, very good this season yeah. that really overperformed um, from what they were projected to be. Had a lot of seniors, had a lot of guys that have been in that system a long time. And um, he's a guy that can knock down a three-point shot, can create offense, um, and is a willing defender. And that is that is something that this team in New Orleans All has in common. There's a lot of guys on this team that play both ways. He's a high IQ basketball player. He's a hard worker. And people are saying he's very mature. He's got great size, great instincts. He averaged two and a half steals per game, nearly half a block a game uh, per 40 minutes. So great numbers on the defensive side of the floor. I I think he's a plug-and-play guy and can immediately step in as the second guard behind a Josh Hart Behind uh, a Drew Holiday, and and really make an impact immediately.
2: But Buzz Williams guys has always played well in the NBA. Absolutely, and, you know, Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. the perfect example. Absolutely. So, oh yeah. Um. It's I, I'm excited for that guy as well.
0: <laughs> Alexander Walker is a guy that, and, and one of the things that they did write about him and things I've been reading is he's not a great creator. He's not he, he's better when he's with another ball-dominant ball player. Mm. He's better alongside a guy who creates offense. And he's going to be playing with Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to be a problem in yeah. New Orleans. Uh, I also did some reading on their second-round pick. I mean, I know second-round picks are a little bit out there, but this guy from Brazil, they call him Didi. Oh. He's a 47% three-point shooter through 38 games in the Brazilian League. Um, he's known as a very high-energy player. Has a lot of defensive versatility. He's about 6'8". Um, so, I mean, we'll see how that happens.
1: I think I mean, that's actually kind of valuable the Pelicans, actually, because, you know, Zion Williams, I mean, you saw he, he attempts threes and he can make, make them occasionally, but he's not the greatest three-point shooter. And Jackson Hayes hasn't even attempted a three-pointer point in the college league, so You know, they're right. really, really lacking in that position. So
0: you're going to have a guy who can come in and guard a bunch of positions at 6'8 and be able to knock down a shot if you leave him open, which is, you know, something that they're going to need. I mean, the Pelicans roster looks great right now. A lot of you know, a lot of times when you trade the best player on your team, like a superstar deal like an Anthony Davis, usually the team that trades away that star always loses the trade. But David Griffin, I think, has positioned his team to win that trade in the long run. They got a lot of players that are gonna be starters for this team, and they got plenty of draft picks uh, down the road. I think David Griffin has done a great job with New Orleans. Well, yeah, I agree. Um, we'll go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back we'll discuss the biggest Losers of the draft.
1: Bum, bum, bum.
0: <laughs> and we'll also talk about the four state Seminoles that got drafted and how excited we are about their potential at the next level. Stay
1: tuned. <laughs> They view bet and po check and the cut like to let where they serving don't protect place a bet on your head call your bluff and make a check guilty until innocent for as I know I'm even since now by nine, blow your mind now you
0: I guess Hey welcome back to your Final Score podcast where we just gave our biggest winners of this year's NBA draft we picked Memphis, Atlanta and New Orleans um for what they did they all you know acquired picks that they can immediately use. They all are building for the future really well um, and filling the holes that they that they need. Um, great job for both of those teams, both rebuilding, or all three rebuilding, and and looking really, really good. Uh, and now we're segueing to teams that we were underwhelmed with, or teams that we kind of were left scratching our heads with. And I'll go ahead and start things off. Um, a lot of people are saying that the Celtics are a team that you could say won the draft, Um, I don't know if they won the draft from where I'm sitting. Um, but, um, I'm gonna go ahead and break that one down. Um, as a Boston Celtics fan, which I am not, but as a, as a, if I was a Boston fan and seeing what this team has done for the last three, four years, okay. They, they make the big trade and they, they got rid of all their, their big three, the Garnett, Ray Allen, you know, Rondo Pierce, they got rid of all those guys. They got a lot of assets. They didn't really turn a lot of those assets into anything other than guys like Rozier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Good picks, but not transcendent talents, right? Then to Danny Ainge's credit, he trades and grabs Kyrie Irving from Cleveland in a, in a deal that I didn't think made that much sense from Cleveland's perspective, but he fleeced him. He got Kyrie Irving. That didn't work out. They go out and they sign Gordon Hayward. Unfortunately gets hurt, hasn't really been the same player since this team continues, the Celtics being, the team continues to be building, building, building for the future. What's going to be next? What What is this team's potential in the long run? Instead of actually going for it, uh, and, I, and you can say the, the Kyrie move was going for it, but I think the next step off of that is pulling the trigger on Anthony Davis. There are a lot of reports saying that they had an opportunity to take Anthony Davis if they were willing to get rid of Jason Tatum. And Danny Age wouldn't do it. I think if you get Anthony Davis from the Pelicans, Kyrie Irving has been wanting to play with Anthony Davis for a long time. He's been saying it in reports all season. I think that's how you keep Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving together in Boston, and you make a real serious title run. Instead, and to Danny Ainge's credit, I think he realizes that he's not getting Kyrie back, obviously. He didn't execute on Anthony Davis. So he is filling out this roster with guys that can kind of just build it. You know, but I don't think this is a, a win for Boston because this is a team that was supposed to be contending for titles. This is yeah. a team that was supposed to be on the up and up. And now they're taking that back step. And I think they're the way they're constructed with their draft picks, probably a 6-7 spot in the East now, which is a conference that's only getting better. They take Romeo Langford at 14 out of Indiana. He's a guy with a lot of injuries in college. Not a high-intensity player. Doesn't always play hard without the ball. Grant Williams is the complete opposite of that. Maybe not the greatest upside, but he plays hard. Um, So they kind of cancel each other out. Carson Edwards, great college player, great scorer. I watched him light us up at Florida State in that Purdue game uh, earlier on in the season. But he's six foot tall. The other guard they got at LSU, 5'11", 170 pounds. So they're drafting a lot of guys that make sense in the Brad Stevens system, but they're not really building... You know they're they're not inspiring. I don't think a lot of confidence for Celtics fans. Guys, do you agree? Am I? I mean, like you said, there's a lot of other options out there. A lot of other people saying that the Celtics had a good draft. But when you look at Grant Williams at 22, Cabiglie Gelly's available. Nasir Little available. Better prospects. Uh, Tremont Waters, which was their fourth pick, they picked him at 51. Kyle Guy available, bigger, stronger, better shooter. Probably fits in Brad right. Stevens' system better.
2: Right.
0: Uh, you got to question these picks from the Celtics, right? Right.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Like, there's you you have a potential to make a bunch of picks. Uh, you have you know you you have four picks that you you, you did, but and those are great like uh, quality players, I guess. But I don't think those guys work in Brad Stevens system and I don't think they translate to the NBA like right away so if you're it, it, it scratches my head like I, I, I don't think the Celtics did bad but I understand why you're scratching your head
0: right I just don't think that I don't think that you can sell that to a Celtics fan at, yeah, at, no. when they were in the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago right that, and then they underperformed this year and now you're, just, you're going backwards 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 after peaking for two seasons you go backwards. And I think you missing on Kyrie, you missing on Anthony Davis, at some point, all of these assets have to turn into something. And I don't think that they are. Maurice, um, who do you say, of all the teams in this draft, underwhelmed
1: you the most? I think the Charlotte Hornets. What were you guys doing? Just huge question mark in my mind. Um, P.J. Washington. He's a fantastic player. He's a great player, but... If you're looking at your team roster here, I don't think he really fits what you guys needed. Um, because you have let's see, you've up five, four other players. Correct me. At the power forward position, you have Marvin Williams, Miles Bridges, Frank Kaminsky, Jalen McDaniels, Dwayne Bacon, all the other players that can kind of transition to the power forward role, who all do what he does. So I'm not, I'm not really understanding why you guys selected him, um, at that position, and he can't shoot that well, also. So he's not going to be a great stretch four. So. That, that really concerned me. And also, you have potentially Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb leaving. So that leaves a big hole in your roster. Uh, what happens if they do leave? You need a guard. So I don't understand why they didn't go for Tyler Hero, Romeo Langford, uh, Alan Zedder-Walker, you know, anyone. Um, <laughs> other than and, P.J. Washington. Anyone that was available. There's yeah. a lot, there was a lot of movement there. There was yeah, a lot of chances. So, um, yeah, that was a big question mark for me.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think Charlotte just... They're in a holding pattern. They're yeah. waiting to see if Kim was going to are gonna stay, and maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they know that Kimba's about to sign a max and stay. Yeah, and maybe they do know that. But like I, similar to Boston, like the Hornets have been in a situation where they're just they're always good enough but not good enough to get in or mm-hmm. really make a push. And so, what are you selling the fan the fan the fan base? You're, what are you selling there?
2: You're never gonna get up above that fifth seed. You, you've always been like the ninth ninth outside the playoffs, the eighth seed. One of those years, like you have a, a Kimba Walker where. He's. It seems like he's bought into Nor- or uh, into Charlotte, um, but do you do you build your team with PJ Washington, a guy that literally is the same position has the same position as four other guys on your team? It doesn't make sense to me either. Who was your biggest loser, might it be? I would have to go with the Suns. Um, they had a prime opportunity to start building your roster. Uh, you have. Devin Booker, who is a lights-out player, an all-star. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was a Rookie of the Year of candidate as well. And then, But you go trade for an underperforming Dario Saric, and you drop to a, the 11th pick to take, um, to take Cameron Johnson out of UNC. Um, you also give up TJ Warren, too, uh, for cash considerations instead of using him as trade bait to get another player um, in the draft. He got rid of his contract without grabbing another player. I don't understand why. Um, and then we've been saying that Devin Booker needs to stop playing point, and we've all said that on this, on this yeah. podcast, that he should transition to a shooting guard role. Um, and if I was the GM, if we were the GM, I, I'm assuming you guys would agree that if he was a, sh- a shooting guard, then you could go take a point guard with um, the sixth pick instead of trading it to the Timberwolves. Um, it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me uh, instead you drop back, you grab Kevin Johnson. And then I, I think he's an underperformer in, in my opinion. I know you're higher on him, Wyatt. Um, but I know he's a great shooter, but I think that's all he is. You know, I, I don't think he has other uh, attributes that really, I think he's just a pick and pop player. You know, he's, he's skinny. Um, he's not really a physical presence. And I think you need another physical presence down low with Deandre Ayton. Um, to top it off, like you trade back to in the in the first round to grab Jer- Ty Jerome out of Virginia. That's another head scratcher that I didn't mix. I know he was on, on higher on some draft boards. Um, what did you just say? The seventh. He's the
0: seventh best shooting guard. He's projected well. He's right in yeah. the top twenty.
2: But I don't understand why you draft. You go back into the first round uh, with the Boston Celtics to trade it and grab him. Like he's not. I don't think he's a guy that you build a franchise around with Devin Booker as well. Um, he, the two guys that they grabbed, in my opinion, are just two broad project players. And like this, if you want to be a project franchise, which the Suns have consistently been, um, I know it's frustrating for Devin Booker. I mean, he's 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 probably going to be the next one out pretty soon here as well. Because um, I I don't understand what you're doing in the Suns management.
0: Yeah, I think. Kobe White from UNC is sitting there. Yeah. Right. And he's a high graded point guard. Yeah. And I agree with Matt. Like he Devin Booker, his skill set and is translates more to a shooting guard. He's mm-hmm. he's better when he can just run free, get the shots, yeah. instead of having the weight of the offense. Kobe White would have been a perfect addition mm-hmm. and would have been a great backcourt. You already have a great front course piece with DeAndre Ayton. Right. You get two great guards on the outside. I think that's a better pick than trading back there's, there's no reason. A lesser player. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. no reason
2: why Devin Booker should be dropping 55 points and losing a basketball to. game. Because yeah, exactly. he, he has to. Because <laughs> he has to. Because he's running point. He's, you know has a high turnover ratio because he's running the point. He's, he's doing the all everything for
1: yeah, Phoenix Suns, and he they're needs they're to take the offense. Off. Yeah, offense.
0: Yeah. Um, I think one thing that all three of us can agree on is how excited we are for the four state Seminoles that got drafted. Uh, Fiondu uh fell all the way to 27. Just shocked. Twenty seven, I believe.
1: Fantastic
0: player. Fantastic player. One hundred percent. He is a guy that has improved every single day since being at Florida State. He redshirted. He had a great breakout in the tournament two years ago, and then proceeded to have one of the best seasons I think any any Florida State players had since I've been here. Right. Um, He was a guy that never started a game, uh, came off the bench in every game, and still led the team in scoring. Um, he's good at just about anything. He can shoot, he can post up, he can block shots, he can steal the ball, he can pass, he
2: can run. Um, he's a true stretch four in, a, yeah. in the NBA. And he, and he tr- can play the five. Is, right, yeah, he
1: can play is, the five, exactly. Which uh, is the way the NBA is transitioning. These right,
0: days. you need a guy that can play, that's a smaller player that can play as your five. Yeah. Right, And he, is, he, is, he fits that mold. I think he's only a guy that is getting better. He's one of those rare players that, at his age, he is still learning so much because he, he got to the game late. Right, mm-hmm. he didn't start playing until he was, I think, a sophomore or junior in high school. Yeah, um, so he has a, a lot more to learn. He's obviously got great roots. He's got yeah. great lineage, uh, being the nephew of Dikembe Mutombo. Um, I think the Clippers got a great pick, and as you said, a steal <laughs> by Jay Billis at twenty-seven. <laughs> I mean, at twenty-seven, I think he was yeah. a better pick than a lot of the guys in front of him. Oh
2: yeah, um, he goes to it from a. You know a defensive-minded system in Leonard Hamilton, but then he goes to Doc Rivers, who can mold him yeah. into a player that he we all know he can be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: Maurice. What were you most impressed with in Cabangetti's game this season with Florida State, and what do you think about his game transitions the most to the league right away?
1: I think he's just got so much potential as a young player, as you stated before. You know he hasn't been playing the game all that long, but he's a fantastic scorer. He's averaged fifty-nine percent are 50% from the field this uh, year and also 37% from the three. So, you know, he can shoot, absolutely. which is, you know, that's crucial in basketball. And he also can, you know, defend and lock down defenders um, to the highest level. So I think those parts of the game will absolutely translate to the NBA very easily, but I think not um, something that are not a lot of people talking about right now, are the intangibles that he brings to a team. Um, we saw him at the draft, wear some names on the inside of his, uh, his jacket there and those are all the names of his teammates I think that speaks to something that you don't see out of a lot of the draft picks you know just camaraderie support for your fellow man and just brings a lot of energy and good spirit to the locker room Um, and also you know as you said it before he was he came off the bench for the entire year and that was something he actually requested because you know he was outperforming a lot of the guys on the floor and they're like you know why shouldn't you start and he said you know I think it's a more favorable option for me to come off the bench and go against the second second unit. So him just recognizing that and being a complete team player, I think is going to be a welcomed addition to the Clippers.
0: He's a guy that buys in to whatever the coach says. He is a hard worker. Uh, He does whatever you ask him to do. And Doc Rivers, as you said earlier, Matty P., is a guy that embraces those players that are willing to do whatever it takes to win. He
2: looks for those guys in the draft. Right,
0: and he's and they've the Clippers have done a great job of building what what they have there in that last draft and building upon it with guys that are high character team dudes that are all bought into what Doc Rivers is, is doing there, and I think Kevin Go is a great addition. And they didn't stop there; they went and drafted the other yeah. Seminole that was in this draft in Terrence Mann in the second round. Maddie P, you and I, you know, lovingly so because we love our Florida State Seminoles and we love right. us some Terrence Mann. He's been here for four years; he was great. Uh, probably the face of our program
2: since he's been here. But we've had a, a few criticisms here and there.
0: Absolutely. He's, right. not, he's not a guy that always puts his fingerprint uh, on a game. Right. He doesn't. He's not uh, known as a top scorer. He isn't known as a top shooter. He's a great all-around player. Great defender. Um, but what do you see him projecting as at the next level?
2: I mean, I think at max, I think he's a rotational player for the Clippers. You know, probably the... Either the eighth or ninth man coming off the bench, um, but like in reality, I I think he is more of a G League player, a guy who's still developing as a lead. He, he's a great leader, but he's he needs to you know learn to take that last shot, have that edge, build that those those edge qualities, uh, and I think um, his slashing style doesn't necessarily translate to the NBA because um, I think he's slower than most. Uh, guards at his position and because he, he gets bottled up sometimes and he's out of control sometimes when he h- handles the ball it kind of it frustrates me but I know he can those are qualities that can be learned and de- developed in, in the G League um I I just I, I've never really been wowed by him on the court and I, I I love the Florida State Seminoles and I love I love him but it's just he hasn't really impressed me enough you know and I, I don't know if that if Guys will, in the, on the Clippers will you know allow him to be a starter in in the league. I don't I don't think so.
0: Yeah, he is a he's a player that can do it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, he will do it all. He's very similar to Kevin Gelly and he 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 plays the system because Leonard Hamilton produces prospects, produces players that play the system, and they just do their job, and it's great. And it works at the college level, but I, I do agree with you where Terrence Mann, in moments, not saying he's running from the shot, um, but a lot of times he would he would swing the ball. If he has a wide open three, he's swinging it because he's trying to find that next pass, the better pass, the better play. Uh, when he needs to you know, learn, hey, if it's an open three, just take it, dude. Right. And his shooting percentage was nice. But you didn't see him taking a lot of those shots when he had the opportunities to. So, like you said, I think when he gets that confidence and gets into a system where they're like, "Hey, dude, if you want to be on the floor, you got to shoot." Right. Yeah. You got to take the shots. I mean, how
2: did you know Dwayne Bacon did the same thing? You know, yeah, right. he was Absolutely. he went to the G League, fine-tuned his game, and now he's you know playing. So um, he's a rotational player, but he at least he got to the to the league. Yeah,
0: I think the best thing for Terrence right now is if he can develop into kind of like that old-school Tony Allen.
1: You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. The Quincy, Pondexter, yeah. those guys that it's, go in there yeah. and they take away the best option, yeah. right? And then they're not a liability on offense. They, mm-hmm. If they have an open shot, they're going to take it. I think if Terrence Mann molds into that defensive right. wing mm-hmm. that can run and jam, because we right. know he can dunk, he's right. got a great dunk package, uh, but if he can get down the floor and, and, and be just a, uh, a havoc on the defensive right. end— I think he'll he'll make a big impact for the Clippers.
1: What do you guys think about the buzzer beater that he had against Virginia Tech where he ran up the floor? Do you think that's some glimpses into the future of him developing into that player? I mean, you're speaking about? that or... was
0: the greatest shot I think Terrence Mann has made as a <laughs> I, I When I saw that, I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> so I was like, here we go. Because like, gonna... I've had these conversations with people – um, about Terrence and and about and I've, I've had my i said his doubt my doubts about his scoring and they're like oh but you see him make that shot and I'm mm-hmm. like yeah he made a great shot yeah, I give I him see. that um, it's pretty yeah. awesome and I think yeah you said there is a lot of potential I think right. we, I think we all agree there's potential you just gotta have that affirmation that yo take yeah. the shot yeah you mm-hmm. got it you're a basketball right. player take yeah. the shot
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um before we sign off uh, NBA awards are coming up soon and rookie of the year who we got.
1: Uh, Doncic, Luca, Luca, Magic babies. Can't disagree there. He
0: was freaking nuts. How many? I don't know how many game winners he had. He had a lot. I don't know,
1: but he was he like always on Sports Center, yeah. and he had like four or five he, like game winning shots. He was shots. that guy this year. He
0: was nasty. Uh, I'm excited. I can't yeah, wait to hey, see. We, like...
1: we called
2: that a long time ago, and yeah, we yeah. said
0: Luca was the best pick. Mm-hmm. And yeah. He he did he did not disappoint. Um, MVP. I hear there's a little a little dis- a little debate here on MVP.
2: Yeah, I I'm I go with Harden. I'm Ooh. Giannis all the way, man. <laughs> that's
0: hard. I'll just go Paul George. I'll, I'll just go Paul George. I'll, I'll be on his team. I'll, I'll go Paul George. He had a great two months. And, yes. And, and, you know, and sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. yeah. Let's go Paul George. I'll give him some love. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining the show. Um, thanks again for if you guys are following the page on Facebook. Uh, if there's any people that you know um, that like sports and will be interested in stuff like this, add them to the page, invite them. We'd love to get more followers and, and reach more people. And again, if you guys like what you heard on the podcast, please comment. If there's things that you disagreed with or some takes that you have of your own, also comment. Let us know what you're thinking. We love the fan engagement. We love to hear what you guys have to say. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week to talk some more stuff. Have a good week. We love you.
2: Go Knows. Go Knows. Go
0: Knows, baby. We'll talk soon. Peace.